Pitbull's a pitbull, though, man. I'm just trying to take a dog on a walk. You know what I'm saying? That's it. Like, you're going to have to make it a family affair now, aren't you? And come after his brother to make him fight you again. I've been calling after both of these dogs. I've been speaking dog at this point. I'm barking at him. I want him. He's the big brother. What's happening, people? Back again, chat and pony with Paddy the Baddy. As always, need to remind you, we're not just on YouTube. You can get us on Spotify and all the other streaming services. So if you just want to listen to audio, get on there, give it five stars. You, you know the script, comment on it, help the algorithm, all of that. Uh, and if you just want any of your latest Baddy merch, then get over to the Apex website. It's all on there, caps, T-shirts, all, all of it. So just get on there and have a look. But today I've got a fellow fighter and it's always a pleasure to have another fighter on the podcast. So AJ, introduce yourself, fella. I always like people introducing themselves. Um, my name's AJ Mercenary McKee and yeah, I love fighting. <laughs> <laughs> no, straight away I need to ask you, where did that nickname come from, Mercenary? Mercenary. <clears throat> my father and I actually came up with it. We were just kind of, we were going over fight names. And we kept going over different names. We we're like, ah, spider, this, that. And I'm like, <laughs> mercenary. Like, I was like, well, my dad's like, what do you, what would you be doing if you weren't fighting? I was like, I don't know. I'd probably be like special forces military or something. So he was like, ah, mercenary. And then we came up with the mercenary, and it, it just kind of, it kind of rang perfect. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm the mercenary. I sign the contract and I take the person out. Yeah. That, that is, it's a perfect nickname, lad. especially the way you fight as well. You come in to have a scrap, lad. You love a little entertaining fight, don't you? A little bit, thanks. I'm trying to get in there as quick you know. as possible and out as fast as possible. Yeah, that's it. Try and get in and out unscathed and get as much money as we can. That's Sam, the exact same as you, fella. But uh, obviously, lad, with all my guests, I always like to go back to the start. So, like, how did you... I know, obviously your dad but how did you get into mma growing up um well my dad's always owned a gym as a kid so uh i just kind of always been in the gym since i was a kid i started wrestling at like three or four started doing jujitsu around eight or nine so i was just always in the gym you know and as a kid he was training guys rampage tito ortiz chuck liddell um any, anybody you could think of you know what i mean tyron woodley like i've seen everybody come in our gym so for me, it was just always being in the gym and being present around all these fighters and uh, learning from them, you know, watching their, their, their careers, their, their goods, their bads, the things they've done, and uh, just pretty much just trying to level up from their mistakes and make sure I don't follow and make the same ones. Yeah, that's the, the, as soon as you mentioned wrestling there, that's like the biggest difference between like the UK and the, and the, like the Americans. Had. Like wrestling to us is WWE <laughs> you know like there's no such thing as like wrestling in school or anything like that so when you said you started wrestling at four as I said I didn't know what like actual Greco-Roman or freestyle wrestling was until I walked into the gym at 15 years of age dang that's crazy yeah it is, for us it's in crazy, SoCal, Southern California it was just kind of like bred in us you know we had like SoCal teams and then California's like high school division is probably one of the hardest state championships to win because out of like all the states they'll split ohio up into four different state championships whereas california it's all one state so like wrestling california is kind of like the pinnacle for uh 
producing top level athletes in wrestling. Still yeah, to so they split out. They split Ohio up into four, but they don't do that with California. But that's nah, not fair. <laughs> they, do, they do that with every other state. Every other state besides California is split up. And isn't California one of the biggest states behind Texas? Exactly. That's crazy, that lad. That just makes no sense at all. Uh, it's, it's something different. I don't know. I feel like it just it shows like the potential of what actually does come out of California. You know what I mean? Because anything... The California's putting off. It's it's they're they're gonna be top five somewhere in something. Whatever their their career is, you know what I mean. They're gonna make it top five out. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I understand exactly what you mean there because I actually we have a lad over with us at the minute who's from San Diego. We went to high school in San Diego. He ended up going to chasing his name is he ended up going to North Carolina to do be a Division One wrestler, and I've had him over with me for my last few camps and. He's just he's brilliant, lad. Chasing Blair, he just helps me with all my wrestling and stuff. I've never I've never had a like a, a, a proper wrestler come into my camp and help me out. And over the past year, that like, me wrestling's just leveled up and leveled up because of it. Yeah, wrestling's a different cardio too. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's a little taxing. <laughs> That's what I always say. Like it's you're real can, tired. You can, when you do jujitsu and you roll, you can do it fifty percent. When you strike and you do any boxing or MMA or anything along them lines, you can do that 50%. When you wrestle, it's 100%. You can't do wrestling 50% or it doesn't work. Yeah, that's facts. That's facts. And it's like you get caught in weird little positions. I've seen some crazy stuff in wrestling matches. Like one time um, there was this kid, and he's supposed to be the only four-time state champ out of uh, California. I think there was like one other person that was a four-time state champ. And he's already a three-time state champ, and he's literally up 5-0. Or no, it was 4-0. He was up 10 seconds left and just got pancakes. It's the craziest thing in the world. Like, everybody in the in the arena, 1,000-plus people watching state championship finals. Like, everybody's honed in on this one match. And bro was up 4-0 and got pancaked to his back for five and, and, and lost with 10 seconds left. But it's like, that's wrestling, you know what I mean? You got to give it 110, literally, from start to finish. Because one little mistake, you know what I mean? You end up on your back and there goes the match. And as you say, that gets you prepared more than anything for MMA. Because just look like Usman and Edwards. Usman was just winning that fight, winning that fight. Boom. One kick, he goes to sleep. No one would have saw that coming. That's all it takes. One blink. So, you wake up asking what happened. Yeah, definitely. No, I'm glad I've never been knocked out, to be honest. I don't ever want that to happen to me. Don't ever want to have to wake up and say, what happened there, lad? What what, what went on? <laughs> Shit, it happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't a fun feeling, I'll tell you that, my boy. Yeah, it's not a good feeling. I've been choked unconscious, like being put asleep in a choke a few times, but I've never actually been knocked out with a punch or a kick or a knee or elbow touch would like you know what I mean don't ever want it to happen oh, yeah. knock on wood man yeah it happened in my amateur career I uh I got cracked with it was funny because my dad wasn't in my corner and uh first thing I remember him telling me he's like don't come out with a lead leg head kick and that was literally the first thing I was thinking is like all right don't come out with a lead leg head kick and you but I it. think my mind was processing like Lead leg head kick. So that was the first thing I saw. And I threw it. And on the temple, I got cracked. And 
Next thing you know, I just heard everybody scream. I got hit again. I saw four legs in front of me. I'm like, grab the two in the middle. <laughs> one of his and one of the refs. It wasn't that fun. <laughs> oh, no good, though. So uh, how big was your amateur career? How many amateur fights did you have? Um, I think on record, it was like nine or 11 and one. Yeah. And then, I mean, honestly, I was I was fighting before there was even amateur around. We used to just go to gyms and do like gym wars. Yeah, We'd line all the kids up and be like, "Oh, like you two are about the same size. You two can fight." <laughs> That's how we'd match each other up. And then as I got older, I think I was like sixteen, like fifteen or sixteen. They came out with this amateur stuff, and uh, I was underage, so I couldn't I couldn't do punches to the head. And they wanted me to do pancreation. And I'm like, this ain't fun, punching people in the body. Like, I'm trying to punch somebody in the face, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, I think the week after my 18th birthday, I had a legit amateur fight. See, lad, when, when I fought amateur, well, to be honest, it was like the dark ages in the UK, though. I had my first amateur fight in, like, 2011. And, lad, you could do yeah. everything apart from elbow. You could knee to the head. We didn't have head guards on. You didn't have shin guards on. Uh, you could ground and pound on the floor. Literally, the only thing you couldn't do was elbow. And that was like my whole amateur career. Yeah. I had nine fights like that. That's crazy. Yeah, that's kind of like how my amateur career was. Um, another thing was, though, uh, like when we first started amateur, they, they, they didn't really implement shin pads. They had us wearing rash guards. I'm like, what is a rash guard going to do to protect from anything? And then a few years later, they're like, oh, we should probably put shin pads. Shins hitting faces aren't really healthy. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, everybody's safer now. They wear, like, six-ounce gloves, so they got an extra two ounces and some shin pads. And, yeah, it's a little bit healthier for the brain. Yeah, same in the UK. Like, they took their knees out, I think. If you're under a certain age, you have to wear shin guards. And we wear, they wear eight ounces here, I think, as well. Eight ounces, like, the sparring masters, what you're sparring. So... It's a lot safer. But what I have got to ask yeah. you about is what what's it like being a second-generation MMA fighter? Because obviously your dad's a legend in the game. And like as I say, you the MMA is pretty new in the UK. Like when I first saw the fight in like 2009, 2010, I was like, what's that? that that's mad, that I need to try that. <laughs> first ever fight to watch was Clay Guida versus Diego Sanchez. And I was like, that's a scrap, I need to do that, I need to try that. So I had to just find the gym and go to a gym, but you grew up with it all. So what? Like, what's the experience like for you? It must be brilliant. Um, For me, it was a little different, you know, just because being around all these legends as a kid and kind of watching their careers and then watching my father's career, um, I just felt I had a lot to live up to and I had... I had a lot on my shoulders to carry on you know what i mean um for me i always wanted to make sure that my family and the last name key got the respect and recognition it deserved in the fight game so for me it was come in and go as hard as you possibly can and make a statement and um yeah then it became all right well you're making noise but the noise ain't loud enough so i was like man the fuck like the hell i'm knocking people out like this is supposed to be that noise you know so I started, uh, I started to let it mess with me a little bit. My dad's like, nah, don't worry about it. Just, just keep doing you and, and be the best you can be, you know? And, uh, 
Yeah, I, I think just having all those role models around me, um, it put a, a very high goal for myself, you know, um, on the fight game just because I've I've seen it all. I know everything. I know all the secrets of this game. I know everything about MMA. So for me, it's like, just got to go. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's go time for me constant. I'm just always trying to go. Like, I don't know. I'm an adrenaline junkie too. So it's like, I'm always just, I'm always chasing that, that itch. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, for me fighting first, I, I would say it was securing that world title and a million bucks. And, uh, from there I haven't really, you know, my next couple goals from there are so damn big. <laughs> like, are you going to get there or are you going to get there? So it's like I'm trying to figure out the proper steps to uh, take to acquire what I need to get there. Yeah. So when did you first go pro then? How old was you? Like 19, 20? Um, I think I was 19. I think I was 19. I think uh, – no, no, no. Yeah, I was 19. 19 or a week after my birthday. It was a week after my birthday. Yeah, nice. So you were dieting on your birthday. birthday. Dieting on your birthday. Bro, fruitcake's all the way. <laughs> With the candle right on top of the cantaloupe and strawberry, you know? I couldn't do that, you know, really. I couldn't do that. Couldn't diet on my birthday. Luckily enough, well, I've got a bad birthday because my birthday is January 3rd. So you get the worst presents ever. But it's good for fighting because I don't ever have to really worry about fighting around my birthday. Everybody brings you tequila bottles and stuff from New Year's, huh? <laughs> yeah, I get all presents off people like what they didn't want for Christmas. You get hand-me-downs. Oh, yeah, yeah there's Dan. You're like, I'm sure my mum gave you that for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, the re-gift. The re exactly. <laughs> the re-gifts, lad. <laughs> well, obviously, I need to mention that you, you've got the longest ever win streak on Bellator, haven't you? Yeah. That's a lovely achievement to have that lad, a nice little one for the record books. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, I just hope nobody beats it. <laughs> <laughs> How many is it? Um, 18, 18, 18 and 18, up. Jesus. So you had your you debuted on Bellator then, didn't you? Yeah, so Scott Croker, the uh, president, he came to my last amateur fight, so my... My first amateur title fight, I fought, and then it was, who was that for? I forgot the guy's name. Well, I know the guy's name, but I forgot the promotion company name. I think it was like No Limit or something. But I fought for that title, and then the following week, I fought for Rampage and his uh, his organization. And I won that amateur title as well the following week. And Scott Croker had game, came to that, that fight. I guess he was coming to see Rampage or something and he ended up watching my fight so from there um he liked what he saw I, I mean I picked the kid up by a by his neck in a guillotine slammed him on his neck and then on his head and then finished it so he liked what he saw and from there that was all all she wrote I, I had myself a contract lovely stuff what's it like growing on a show like that and obviously because Bellator's another big promotion lad and you don't really see many people debuting in the likes of Bellator and the UFC and PFL, you know what I mean? People get signed into them after they've already had fights on another promotion. Um, I would say for me, it was kind of, it was good because I was able to, and I'm still able to 
You know, it's like a real family of Bellator. Everyone's real just, like, we all work as a team there. You know what I mean? Um, especially me being young and coming in at 19 and, and having to learn the corporate business world. Hey, you got to be here on time. You got to do this. I mean, dude, there's been times I've missed plane flight, <laughs> three plane flights in one day. And it's just like, I fell asleep at the terminal. <laughs> I had a late night last night and I was working all night. You know what I mean? It's like, well, dude, you got to do these interviews and you're missing plane fights. So it's like, it's just little things like that. But Bellator, that man, they've 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 built me into who I am. You know what I mean? Today, and they've been very patient with me, and uh, they've worked diligently by my father's side and in, in creating the superstar that I see myself to be. I completely understand there because I'm like I'm the same with Cage Warriors. I fought on Cage Warriors for years from when I was 18 to 26. So I I completely get where you're coming from there. They they built me up, but. A lot of people wouldn't have been able to cope with the pressure like you, lad. Like, a, a prime example is like Aaron Pico. You know what I mean? Like, he got thrust into the spotlight and got given fights and then his record doesn't look like yours. You know what I mean? His record's got a lot of blemishes on. But you've only ever lost one fight in a world title fight. Yeah. Um. Well, I think that comes back from... that. That's a big part of my father. You know what I mean? Um... For me, since I first signed to Bellator, I've been calling Pitbull's name. You know what I mean? So whether it was the first fight or the 18th fight, I just want him to know, like, yo, I'm coming for you, man. Like, you're you're the dude. And I'm gunning for you. So for me, that was the big key. But my dad, man, he was just very smart. He's, uh, you know, it's like it's like having a master chess player while you're playing a game of chess. You know what I mean? He's going to tell you what moves to make. And obviously, sometimes you don't want to make the right move because it's like, Ah, uh, like, this move looks better, but it's like he's the chess master, man. You know what I mean? He knows what he's doing. So for me, it's uh, it's just being able to remove my emotions, do what's right, and look at things with a, with a clear eyes view and, and be able to assess things without the emotion. You know what I mean? When people make emotional choices, that's usually when they end up messing up pretty bad. Yeah, you're right there. I know what you mean, 100%. The way you... It's great the way your dad's your coach, though, lad. I love that. Know what I mean? I think it's brilliant. Like, I call my coach my second dad, Paul. Know what I mean? I call him Kung Fu Panda, lad, because I just listen to him, lad. <laughs> Whatever he tells me, I listen to. When I was a young kid, well, not even young, about three years ago, I still never used to listen. I used to think I knew best. I used to think I was a man, think I was mature. And I only grew up about two years ago and realised that I actually need to start listening to people. So the fact that you've got your dad there, it must make it 10 times easier to listen. Sometimes. I think sometimes because it's like, it's my dad. You know what I mean? It makes it a little hard because it's like, it's your dad. Like, does my dad know? He's just telling me what to do. You know what I mean? But it's like, nah, like, bro's definitely got your best interest. Like, could be an idiot. Shut up and just do it, you know? Yeah, you, you, you so know, full, you know full well he's got yeah, your best interests you know, at heart. You know what I mean? It goes without saying. Yeah, and it, and it's a little different because it's like you got to be able to separate the coaching from the father and then the training, you know what I mean? And that's one thing that my, my dad's real good at, you know what I mean? When it comes to training, he don't care about how I'm feeling or, oh, my hand hurts, oh, I might have another fracture. Nah, bro, you got to fight? All right, get your ass in the gym and you're working out. That's <laughs> that's just the way he is, you know? And it's like, it's like, oh, like I don't want to go to the gym this morning. <laughs> Don't get my ass up and I'm going to go. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> yeah, sometimes the battle's just actually getting in the gym. Once you're in the gym, you feel sound, don't you? It's like, oh, yes, sound. It's just getting out of bed and actually going the gym sometimes, what the actual battle is. Yeah, yeah, you know. I'm going to see... And I'm a couch potato, bro. I'll sit at home. I'll play Call of Duty all damn day and watch F1 racing and just chill, bro, and not do a damn thing besides eat steak and and go work on my cars. Like, that's literally my life. Yeah, that's something that I wanted to ask you about, lad. You love you love working on cars, don't you? Like, you, 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 you do cars up and down and fix cars. Bro, you have no idea. Look, my bad. Just got cars on behind you. Sick, man. Like it's it's just on all day, bro. Like you wake up the cars, you go to sleep the cars. It's it's just I love it. You that was my first passion. I just yeah. happened to be a damn good fighter. <laughs> you a petrol lad then, yeah? You love love anything like that, or is it just cars, or is it like motorbikes and stuff as well? Um, I love bikes. I just refuse to get one because I feel like that'll be the death of me. Yeah. Um. I've touched, touched the likes of almost 200 miles an hour in a car, so it's like to put me on a bike. can only imagine what I'm going to do. Hold on, my robot's turning on to clean. You got a cleaning robot? Yeah. I'm going to have to ask him about this cleaning robot. Bro, it makes life amazing. You, have, you don't have to You have a the- cleaning robot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vacuum the whole house. Look. <laughs> you got to get one. Blood. I've never seen one of them Look, before. Like, I've got to get one of them. Like, that looks quality. It, home, it cleans itself. It's a cool little thing. Oh, lad, they're <laughs> brilliant. Bro, technology's a trip. They got something That makes everything. life easy, though. Yeah, it makes life easy for a lazy person. Have you just said there, though, that you've touched 200 miles an hour in a car? Almost. Uh, 186 is my top speed. That's the fastest I've ever been. Jeez, lad, that's fast. That you know, I can't even drive to be honest, AJ. I haven't got my license. No, that doesn't mean you can't drive. It just means you're not uh, legally allowed to drive. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Like, like I could... he's like, bro. He's like, you wrecked like six cars. And you've been in how many accidents and how many tickets? I'm like, well, in my defense, a couple of them weren't my fault. And I'm pretty sure every great driver has totaled many, many cars. Like, that's like, you know what I mean? That's like a fighter getting punched. It's just, it's inevitable. But, yeah, he's he's not fond of my driving. So I don't drive like that as much anymore. Try not to. Yeah. Yeah, I bet he's not a fan. My my dad's scared when I get on me si- pedal bike and cycle <laughs> to the gym. He's like, you're putting a helmet on. I'm like, come on, dad, I don't need a helmet. You <laughs> know what I mean? I'm just pedaling to the gym. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, with it, um, like I had Frank Mir on the other week, lad, and I asked him about the, his motorcycle accidents. And I was just like, yeah, I'd, I'd never, ever, ever get a motorcycle because it doesn't even have to be your fault. It doesn't. It can be somebody else's fault. And everybody's on their phone. That's the problem. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. I'm, I'm a very attentive driver while I'm driving. You know, I'm checking all my mirrors, even at stoplights. But still, it's like everyone's on their phone. I find myself doing it. I'm on my phone sometimes. So it's like that's what's kept me from getting a bike because, yeah, it's, it's not you. It's everybody else. You know what I mean? It's like riding a bull. It's not when it's not when you get hit. It's when you, it's not if you get hit. It's when you get hit. 
Yeah. It's inevitable. It's always going to happen. But I, as I say, I, I haven't got a license. I can drive automatic. I can't drive stick. Oh, dang. <laughs> I got one car you can drive. <laughs> <laughs> Just the one. Just the one. Uh, everyone I know... Everyone I know in America, though, drives auto. You're like the only person I've heard of that drives stick in America. Well, you got to find people that are true car connoisseurs. Anybody that loves <laughs> cars, bro, manual's the way. Like, M, you know what the M stands for? This is like a car thing. They say the M stands for man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, not manual, it's for man. It takes a man to drive this boy. Don't worry. I'll teach you how to drive a stick. I'll get you to come out one day and teach you how to drive a stick. Oh, that's a deal, lads. Can't wait for that. <laughs> Sonny, I've got to ask you about though, as you said, then you sit around and eat steak. Like you like you're like the opposite to me. You know what I mean? You keep your diet on points all year round, don't you? Yeah. I mean it was it was a struggle to make forty five. Fifty fives, my diet has just I mean, I eat healthy and I just eat a shit ton more versus making forty fives. The diet so dialed in and tuned in like a snickers is too much of my cut like oh you're you're adding yeah. extra weight like by the time you're done you put on an extra pound today i'm like dude it's only one pound like jesus you guys act like i'm over here eating drinking whole things of lemonade and orange juice you know what i mean like chill it's a snickers i know what you mean there though the 145 cut is just disgust them like I've been there myself people still comment on my things now saying oh you could make 45 no I couldn't I could not make 145 ever again know what I mean I don't even look that, that well I look alright but I don't look that great getting on the scales at 155 I don't understand where people think I'm getting the extra £10 from what do you want me to do chop my leg off yeah. I bet you feel a lot better at 55s too yeah feel 10 times I mean, better I felt better at 55s when I made the move. It's not even just like in the fight and stuff. It's training leading up to it. Like I had, yeah, I had four fights in 2016. One of them I missed weight as well. Missed weight by about five pound. All of them 45, and every single fight camp was just about making weight. Like training, <laughs> training at the back burner. I didn't get better all year. I stayed the same level, and like. I was just focusing on diet and making weight, cutting the weight, running every day and then didn't have as much energy to actually do me proper MMA sessions. And in the end, we just said, nah, we're sacrificing more than we're gaining by going down an extra 10 pounds. And obviously, I think you must have had the same feeling yourself. Yeah. For me, it was uh, it was just rough, man. i become a, a cranky aggro a-hole when I'm not eating. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's every couple months, and then I got to deal with my dad, and then I'm giving him attitude, and he's like, yo, bro, you're just rude. You're an asshole. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm cutting 30 pounds. I'm not going to be happy. You know what I mean? Like, walking around, just enjoying life. You guys are making birthday cakes for me, and I can't eat any of this shit. Come on. I know what you mean. I get, I get very ratty. I start. Like someone say something, I go, no, what, what do you mean? Shut up, lad, just shut up, lad, just shut up. Know what I mean? I start biting people's heads off and I feel, and like later on that day or the next day when I'm I'm, I'm normal, I'm like, oh my God, lad, why did I do that? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I was hungry. 
<laughs> people don't understand what hunger actually does to you. Like it, it get it, oh. it gets you worse than anything else. Dude, I keep like literally for forty fives the night before weigh-ins, I never sleep. My body's just up. It's like I'm full force awake. Like yo, when's weigh-ins? Where's the food? Where's the water? Like <laughs> let's get this show on the road. It's crazy, and it because like wake up week. Like, all you're doing is thinking about food because you're drinking that much water. You're getting all the water down, yeah. And then you start doing your cuts, like getting in baths or a sauna. And you don't care about food. And you're just like, where's the water? Where's water. the aqua? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the water is life-changing. It's very detrimental, for sure. Um, and it's crazy because we go from drinking a gallon, two gallons a day to literally no water. And it's like, What? I'm getting any water? Like, bro, I'm, I just drank a whole gallon yesterday. Now I get none? Oh, this sucks. Now I'm now I'm nil by but mouth, can... not uncum past me lips, and you're just yeah. like, oh. And you, know, you throw an ice cube or two in there, and it's just like, oh, you got to spit that out. It's like, bro, it's an ice cube. You're spitting out an ice cube? <laughs> like, yeah, it makes a difference. Like, what are them? What are the little... Um... There's little sweets that you just get in America. Ah, oh, Jolly Ranchers. I can remember getting... Yeah. Like, when you cut weight with the UFC, they give you a little pack with, like, a bit of sweet sweat in and some Jolly Ranchers. I can remember eating a Jolly Rancher. And then, like, me, S&C coach and nutritionist, Paul Reed, who sorts all my stuff. I can remember going, what have you got in your mouth there? It's like, oh, just a Jolly Rancher. It was in the pack, what the UFC gave me. And he was like, no. <laughs> what are you doing having that? It's got sugar in. It's got carbs. That's it's gonna hold sugar. on to water. Yeah. It's like I'm just getting myself some flavor, Paul. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> then you get the cut weight breath. Your breath starts stinking. You can smell what you ate. So. <laughs> uh, people will never oh, understand man. what it's like to do a weight cut. No. I mean, everyone wants to be a fighter. That don't I mean? Oh, I'd be able to do that. I'd be able to do that. Do a weight cut then. And we'll see how much you want to be a fighter. I guarantee you after the first 10 pounds, you'll start rethinking. <laughs> most definitely. Like, what's the most you've cut overnight? In a night? I would say probably like 10. Oh, I mean from like starting your, starting your cut to like make them wait. Not like just in the night time. So like... Oh. I would say, yeah, in a 24-hour span, the max I've ever done was 10. Is it? Yeah. That's, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, I was doing some was dirty ones back in 2016. I'd done 18 pounds to make 45. Jeez. And well, yeah. I, I mean, so honestly, like, I would walk around normally about 165 in shape training. And that's what, you know, a 20-pound cut to 145 wasn't – it was – Kind of bad, but not like, oh, my God, overbearing, you know. Um, once I started hitting that 170 mark, that's when it was like, all right, this is getting this is getting to be a bit much. And then now up to like 75, I, I, I mean, I, I would try to make it one more time for Patricio and I's legacy just to put that icing on the cake, you know what I mean, have that trilogy. But outside of that, I don't think I'll see myself at 45s again. I, yeah, just, I love steak too much, bro. 
I'm with you on that. Like, like as I say, when I fought Julian and Rosa years ago, I done 18 pounds overnight and I looked absolutely terrible. And at the end of the fight, I ended up projectile vomiting in the cage because me, yeah. me but yeah, like, and I was only 21 at the time. And I'll be honest, I think I've, I've done like five cuts in 12 months because I fought April, April, July, September, November, April, every one of them 45. And I've never, I've never fought a 45 since because I think the effect of my body and, and well, I've done a DEXA scan since and I know for a fact that I could. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply never go any lower than 153 so it's just one of them people who think I can make 45 are high on drugs <laughs> yeah they're smoking that good stuff <laughs> as you say there though you touched on it would would obviously you do that third fight with Patricio oh definitely definitely dude that's that's mandatory um it ain't about money it ain't about titles it ain't about besides yo this needs to be finished. It's Set one and one. Score. Yeah, it's one and one. And I wasn't happy with the last one, so this needs to be settled. I'm, he, he fought a 55, though, hasn't he? Yeah, so prior to the tournament, he beat uh, Michael Chandler for the title. And then uh, he got looped into the tournament because he was the champion. So um, when we started the tournament... He was on the he he went to the opposite side of the bracket, so the fifty five pound division kind of got placed on hold because he was the champ champ. So uh, after I beat him in the finals, he released the fifty five pound title, and his brother went and fought for the title, and uh, he wanted to focus on me, is what he what he said, and uh, yeah, he wanted to fight at forty fives, which makes sense. Because, I mean, if we would have fought for that 55-pound title, it would have been murder all over again times two. Because our rematch, literally, all I was concerned about was make weight, make weight, make weight. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't think he wants to see me faster, stronger, and bigger. At 55s, it'd be a problem for him. But, uh, you know, for my legacy, I, I, I'd, I'd make the sacrifice to get back down there one last time. I so, has his brother right, got man. the 55 belt? No, he released it. He's he he released it. His no, his brother though. Yeah, his brother's the champ. Oh, he's, that's what I mean. Is his brother the champ? Yeah, pitbull's a pitbull though, man. I'm just trying to take a dog on a walk. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> that's it. Like, you're gonna have to make it a family affair now, aren't you? And come after his brother to make him fight you again. Bro, I've been calling after both of these dogs. I've been speaking dog <laughs> at this point. I'm barking at them. They just they. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe dog in Portuguese is different or something. Uh, who knows? <laughs> oh, funny that, you know. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the way you're going to have to get him now, isn't it? You're going to have to uh, beat his brother up to make him make him nah. want to come up and fight you. Nah, nah. I want him. He's the big brother. He's he's the big little brother, you know what I mean? So it's like, what are you doing, bro? You're going to let your little brother fight your brother? 
fat fight your battle. Yeah. You, I mean, that's lame. You, you know how it is, lad. You, if you, your little brother got beat up by someone, you'd want to beat him up. Well, no, he's the big brother. The little brother's the big brother. Yeah, that's what I mean. He, he's older. He's the older one. The forty-five is the older one. Yeah. Yeah. So his younger brother gets beat up by you. He's gonna want to come for you, isn't he? No, he already got his ass whooped by me once. Arguably twice. Oh, lad. <laughs> <laughs> You're still not happy with that decision, no? Eh, it's in the past. It's, yeah. It's, That's uh, one of the things I always say with MMA. Like, decisions, it's... People say, oh, this is a robbery. That. It's people's opinions. You don't know, do you? That's why I always just try and go out there. And I know you do. I've watched your fights, lad. You go out there and you try and get the finish to leave the judges out of the equation. Yeah, if I would have knew... Got to keep them out of there. If I could have expected, you know, if, if my dad would have told me fourth, fifth round, hey, it's time to finish this, like, it would have been that kill or be killed moment. But, um, yeah, I was just... I think since the first fight went the way it did, you know, I, I felt I showed what I had to offer. Um, I came first title. I took it. Um, so with the tables turning, I just... I kind of wanted to see what he had to offer, you know? And he didn't bring anything, so... I think the third one is inevitable. You know what I mean? You know, it, it it's we we got to get that. It's gonna look a lot like the first one. It's gonna be like white on rice. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not wrong. It is inevitable. You just definitely need to do that third one down the line. Some you, you need to go two and one against them, lad. You can't uh, you can't have that one one there. I mean, he dude, he's fighting anybody and everybody besides me. You know what I mean? It's just like me chasing him down for the title. He don't want to fight. <laughs> That's why he ignored me for 18 fights, Patty. Come on. You're going to ignore somebody for 18 fights that has knocked out 13 people and been coming for your name since day one. You can't ignore that. See, a person like me, if I got somebody that's young up and coming and they're calling my name, I'm going to get them out early. That way they got to build back up to come and get me. But he don't think that way, you know what I mean? And that's where I feel like, my 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 just intuition and and spirituality i could smell the fear off of him bro i could smell it and it's just it's oozing out of his pores on another level that's Come on, he fought Boric's and now he's fighting the risen champ yeah that's someone else that's someone else who wanted to mention to you lad because you're a proper mentally tough fighter you're mentally strong you don't let nothing get in your way when it comes to the mental side of things is the is there anything like that what you work on or is it just in your self-belief because that's what it is with me I don't work on my mental mental strength at all it's just in me I can't help it I'm just that confident and I obviously wanted to ask you if you you do anything along them lines yeah no it's uh it's definitely self-belief man um even like Izzy he uh he believes in himself on another level being able to believe in yourself and speak things into fruition and actually believing in them and that's the whole point is believing. People believe in themselves, but they don't believe in themselves to their full potential. So it's like, you can know you're capable of going to knock this dude out, but do you believe you're going to do it? Did you put in the work to be able to acquire what needs to be done? You know what I mean? Like, are you going to go get that victory? Did you put in the work for it? So um, the mental part, and then plus, I feel like, with me, you know, growing up in the gym, I used to get my ass whooped in the gym. I walk in the gym, oh, you want to be a fighter? Boom! I hit you with a body shot, and I hit the ground. Oh! 
You know what I mean? So, like, as a kid, that's what I grew up with. You know what I mean? I had my dad in Czech Congo holding me, holding me down, and they're like, tap. And I'm like, you guys, I'm not tapping. What am I going to tap for? You want me to tap? Like, just so I can, like, be submissive to you guys because you guys are holding me down? No, I'm not tapping. Like, you guys are big as hell. Like, you're going to have to put me to sleep. Next thing you know, they're like, oh, you're going to go to sleep. I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to go to sleep. And you guys are going to have a problem when I wake up. Next thing you know, 30 seconds goes by, AJ sleep, and I wake up. They're smacking me. I'm like, y'all fucked up. That's it. I leave the gym. My dad tells Congo, he's like, hey, he comes back. We're going to have a problem on his <laughs> But I was just like, you know, it's it's kind of like, it's kind of like an ego, but at the same time being able to remove the ego and assess what's at hand to make the appropriate uh, changes in that moment, you know. If you're fighting with ego, then nine times out of ten, you're going to get caught with something because it's, it's a, oh, you hit me, I got to hit you. Not, oh, I got hit. Why did I get, get hit? Like, let me assess what I need to do to uh, make sure it doesn't happen again, you know. To be honest, like, the thing people like, evaluate you pretty similar to me they mistake the confidence for cockiness i get called a cocky bastard yeah. all the time lad and i'm not cocky i'm very humble i just believe in myself that much that i am that confidence and i will speak it into reality just as you've just said and you're exactly like me lad yeah you got to be able to i mean i think with with people it's um it's the lack of self-awareness within themselves that they try to when they see other people like that they're like nah they can't be like that it's kind of like a uh, an intimidation thing you know what i mean because i mean think of it if, if a mother don't fear what's in front of them and their their only battle is themselves <laughs> like what's there to worry about like just your damn self you know what i mean <laughs> so i i think that's that's literally the battle where people in today's society need to focus more is like battling themselves you know what i mean your yourself is the biggest battle you know um i was reading this book and uh it, it said something along the lines of um i can't deal with myself and it's like so there, is there two of us like meaning i can't deal with myself what is it that i can't deal with and it was just changing the perspective of being able to look at yourself from that third person you know what i mean and and pretty much like control yourself you know your body is one thing your mental is another thing your mental doesn't control your body your body you can do whatever you want but being able to have your your mental control your body is a different story um so in other words it's having your mentality right to be able to have your body react right you know what i mean like i want to go party with my friends sometimes but it's like all right you're gonna go party you're gonna go pop bottles and then you're gonna wake up for training and you're gonna train like and you're gonna feel like you know what I mean? So it's like, all right, let's not do that. All right, block these thoughts out and plan something for after the fight. You know what I mean? And and just give yourself a reward. You know, so so many people live in the in the now of it needs to happen now, 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 now. And it's like, well, what work are you going to put in to have it happen now? Yeah, you're right there. You've got to put that the hard work in in the gym before any of all that stuff. That comes first, otherwise. We haven't got the luxuries we have in our life, you know what I mean? I just say, you want a million dollars, lad? How did that feel? <laughs> that was insane, dude. Um, it was surreal, bro. That whole moment was just crazy. Um, 
the entire tournament, dude, like just going through it. I was like four for four, all finishes. I'm finishing everybody. And then I did it, you know what I mean? And won a million dollars. I was like, oh, this is lit. You know what I mean? But that's that that's that motivation, that's that drive, that self belief. Like when you set your, your your mind and your your vision on something and then you put in the work for it, you know what I mean? Like nothing can stand in your way besides yourself. And like I'll be damned if I'm gonna let myself stand in my way while I'm working my hardest. Like I can't do that. Yeah, one you can't self sabotage yourself. Yeah. yeah, you can't. Spot on there. One thing I always say, people always say to me, oh, do you get nervous? Do you, do you, you're putting pressure on yourself, talking a big game before the fight and that, but I always say there's no such thing as pressure. Like, the only pressure you have is if you force it on yourself. One of me sayings is there's no point in being nervous when you know you're going to win. Yeah. There, there really is what you got to do. That's it. You just got to get in there and win. It's that simple. Yeah, I I think um, trying to take the right, especially in fighting, man, because things change so quick. You know what I mean? Your game plan can go out the window in the first ten seconds. As soon as you get punched, like that's the crazy thing about fighting. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about fighting. Like, oh, I was gonna stand up until I got hit, (laughs) and I took the dude down. Like, (laughs) like game plan out the window. Yeah, that that happened to me. In the O2 against Vargas, lad, I was like, I'm going to strike in this fight. I'm going to show everyone me striking. I come out, I threw a teep, threw a head kick, and he jumped in with a big leap. He was a southpaw. He jumped in with a big loop and right hook. And without even meaning it, I've just shot a panic takedown and ended up on my back. I was like, oh my God, what are you doing, pad? Like, this is not where you want to be. Yeah, I planned planned on coming out and striking, and then literally within twenty seconds, I was on my back in my full guard. Like, what? How have we ended up here? What? What is going on? Why did I shoot him for that sloppy takedown and get it stuffed on? And now I'm in my guard. <laughs> yeah, underhooking up. Underhooking yeah, up. it helped me get me throw. Like, I got back up and threw him. But you know, as long as you win, that's the main thing. But as yeah. well, you. When you won that million dollars, as you say, you won the world title. But like that feeling must be like I've won a cage warriors world title, and my goal is obviously to win a UFC world title. But you've actually got to the pinnacle in your organization, lad, and actually won the belt. How did that feel? Um, it was phenomenal, man. Just to know all the years of hard work, um, shit. Since I was four years old, man, being a world champion. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't matter where it's just becoming a world champion because having that accolade, I just felt once I get a world title, I know I'm the best in the world. You know what I mean? It's not proving it to anybody else. It was literally just proving it to myself. And, uh, so when I accomplished that, it was, uh, it was surreal, you know, it took a minute to kick in. Um, and then just back to the grind, man, back to the grind. I think, I think it was just a lot of, uh, kicking it you know what I mean I became comfortable for a second but it wasn't comfortable to the point where like all right I can't do what I need to do it was like a comfortable of like all right like this is what it feels like to be comfortable and like you know what I mean I don't gotta worry about I get to go buy a car dude I bought two cars back to back I bought a super I bought a Corvette and then I bought a super the next day (laughs) Like, like so for me it uh it changed my mindset of 
just life a little bit of having financial freedom, um, being able to do what you want in that moment. Um, take my friends out to eat. You know, we take the teammates out to eat all the time. It's just being able to give back and do for those around me. You know, um, for me, the big part was obviously winning the world title. Um, I wanted to beat my dad's uh, undefeated record. He was undefeated for eight years, but that's out the window. I fell two years short. Um, so for for me, it's just you know now it's before Connor became a champ champ. I said I was gonna do it. So like there were certain goals and aspirations that I wanted to do. And after winning that world title, I was like, all right, champ champ time. Like Pitbull, bring me that fifty five pound title. <laughs> but uh, things go as planned. You know what I mean? But um, it's a new chapter. And, uh, yeah, you just got to set new goals, new motivation, and uh, just stay geared up, man. Stay motivated. Um, motivation's key for me, you know. If, if I'm not motivated, then it's going to be a rough night. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean there, lad. It, it was a bit of a hindrance to me winning a world title, lad. When I was 21, I won a world title, and I let a few Klingons, people that were my real friends, get involved and, like, wanted me to go out partying all the time, and... I started to do it, you know what I mean? I was going out partying. It's like, no, I'm the best, you know what I mean? I was only 21, I was a dumb kid. But I'm back, looking back. I'm glad now, looking back in hindsight, because it made me into the man I am today, you know what I mean? I ended up having to kill myself again to make weight because of all the partying and all the eating stupid foods. And then I lost my title over five rounds. And then I had to go back to the drawing board and reevaluate my life and realise, yeah, I do want to do this. This is what I was put on this earth to do and I've got to knuckle down and realise the opportunities that I've got in front of me. Yeah, I could definitely relate on that. That was a big key, um, especially after suffering my first loss because my entire life I, I built on being the best and, and wanting to be the Floyd Mayweather MMA and like never going to lose that, like, I'm the GOAT, I'm the best, I'm the only second generation fighter coming out making noise like this, like, I'm going to be that guy, so when I took that L, like, it, uh, honestly, it hit me on a different level, I went into a very just deep, dark, depressed state for a little bit, and, uh, yeah, man, a lot of self-reflecting in that moment, um, like we said, can't leave it to the judges, though, man. So from from there on, man, it's like you got to just get in and get out every time. I'm with you on that, lad. I know that because, as I say, I've got, I've got two losses in title fights, both five-round decisions, and one of them, you could give it 3-2 either way, and the other one, I personally think was a draw because it was a 10-8 round for me in the first round and won the second, but then I gassed. I tried to choke him in the first round and burnt my arms out, lad, and then broke my hand again in the second round where my hand was already broke. I had surgery eight weeks before the fight, yeah. like an idiot. That's what I mean. Back then, I was a stupid kid. Didn't listen to anyone. My coach, my mum, my dad, my family, my fiance were all like, pull out the fight, pull out the fight. I was like, no, no, I'm still going to beat him. I'd have fully since then reunited choke, lad. But because the hand was still broken, I couldn't even like use it properly. I couldn't finish it. And lad, it just, as you say, I went into a deep, dark depression like I've never been before. And, it, it was a struggle oh, wow. getting back out of it. Yeah. I like being able to uh, talk about it afterwards, especially in today's era and now, because I think uh, the younger generation in today's uh, era, they, they're they dealing with depression on a, on a whole other level. 
a bigger level, especially through the pandemic and COVID and everything. Um, you know, kids don't go to school anymore. Like my little brother, he's 16. He's homeschooled. He goes to the gym with me every day, day and night. So uh, he's on like, you know what I mean? He, he doesn't get to experience how we, we got to experience high school. Going, hanging out with your friends, doing dumb smoking weed in the bathroom and just just being an idiot you know what I mean being a, a normal kid in high school and uh, you know I think it, it's playing a big part on a lot of the, a lot of the youth gen, uh, the youth generation and um, their mental aspect um, you know it, it's it's a lot that we go through and especially mentally I don't think we realize what we put ourselves through because we're so mentally strong and we know that we're capable of getting through it, but a lot of people don't have that mental strength as fighters like we do. So for me, it's being able to speak upon it and help those kids that, you know, maybe don't feel like they have somebody to go to. When I went through my stuff, like I, I didn't reach out to nobody. Like I just went Same. through it like a bull in a china camp cabinet. I'm, I'm hitting it head on. Um, for some people, they're, they're not mentally strong like that. They're not going to be able to get through it. So, um, I like to speak upon it a lot now, just being able to accept the vulnerability in that moment and realize like, hey, I was messed up. And if anybody else is messed up, like no people are there for you. You know what I mean? Don't be fearful to reach out. Like no one's going to judge you for being hurt, you know? And um, I, I just, I try to do a lot of talking with the kids, you know, my brother and other younger people in the, in the gym and depression's a big thing right now bro a lot of people just don't talk about it but it's it's a really big thing right now in this era and uh yeah man we just gotta continue to spread the light for all these youngsters you know because at the end of the day they're they're our future you know when we're all f***ed up from this fight game they're we're probably gonna have one of them as a nanny pushing us around in a wheelchair bro so we gotta make sure they're 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 taken care of it's great to hear another fighter, another high-profile fighter like yourself say it, lad, because it doesn't get spoke about enough, lad, men's mental health and depression and stuff like that. But I all think a big part in it is social media, lad. You'll have experienced it yourself, to hate what you get on social media, lad, especially after a loss. Lad, after Molly losing the other day, lad, the amount of comments on my page, never mind theirs, it's been sickening, lad. You know what I mean? It just it knocks me sickening. The, the the things what people get away with now, lad. As Mike Tyson said, social media made people too comfortable not getting punched in the face. Yeah, that's facts. Facts. Yeah, that's facts. Oh, Don't come to but, California. You damn sure can't punch nobody in the yeah. face. <laughs> Man, San Diego is like my second home. Lad. I love it there. Everyone's nice in San Diego, though. There's not not real many uh, many assholes there. Most people are cool. No. California is pretty chill, bro. The Cali—they're called Californians. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're like we just got a chill vibe, bro. We're chill until we're not chill, and when yeah. we're not chill, just go the other way. Run away. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, before we move on to the Ask Paddy segments, need to talk about your next fight. Um, you're fighting on New Year's Eve, lad. You're a braver man than me. I couldn't diet over Christmas, <laughs> <laughs> especially before your birthday. Yeah, that'd be tough. yeah. Yeah, it's but, it's a fun one, man. Since I was a kid, I've uh, watched Pride, Glory, and all these OG. You know, the tournaments back in the day used to be all in one night. So uh, that was in Japan, those Pride days. So being able to go to Japan and, and get on this card, it's it's a bucket list for me, honestly. Um, 
yeah, the people there, the crowds, they're just way they're it's different, bro. It's different. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever watched a uh, MMA card in mix in Japan. Like the respect level, the 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 cherishment of the art of the sport. Um it's just different, bro. They 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 the fans, the people, the entertainment side of it. They enjoy it on a whole another level and uh yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it, man. It's pretty crazy cuz my dad fought there 10 years ago on on the New Year's that I'm fighting and uh he lost, you know. He he broke his orbital that fight. But uh this is one of those fights where it's like, "All right, here's your here's your redemption time." You know what I mean? Like, go redeem your last name in in Japan. <laughs> like, let them know what the keys are about. Go out there and, you know, Fight with that, fight with that sword, and die on that shield. If that's how it goes, but uh, I'm looking forward to fighting with the with the sword and not so much the shield. Yeah, I love I love pride, lad. I remember watching the pride fights when I first started getting into MMA, and I wish I could fight them rules. To be honest, I still to this day would love to fight with soccer kicks. I don't know why. I'd just love to fight yeah. with soccer kicks. I think it makes the fight much more interesting and knees to the ground. Bro. Yeah. Knees on the ground in position, like front headlock position, snapping them down. Knees there, lad. It's just that, that I'd love to fight them reels. <laughs> That's where the inner monster comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Give me pride, rules. <laughs> yeah. Since I was a kid, bro, those soccer kicks and stuff—they've been—they're just iconic, bro. It's it's what's been molded as a a different type of mixed martial arts. You know, it's more. Uh, it's just brutal, bro. It's yeah. brutal. Like it's it's just it's it's killer be killed, bro. It's like it's the closest thing you can get to like the wildest version of cage fighting. Like you can soccer kick somebody in their head, like, oh, this is gonna be fun. Yeah. I just think of Shogun diving through people's guards and just stomping. You know what I mean? Just jumping yeah. right through, stomping, then hammer fist and right on the chin. That's exactly what I told my dad. I was like, hey, this dude pulls guard. Just expect me to jump on his face. Like, both feet. Like, no. Like, I don't even care if I end up on the ground with him. I know his jiu-jitsu is insanely sick. But, bro, I'm going to just, like, ghetto stomp his face. Just both heels to face. Yeah. Sounds like a pawn to me, one of those in there. Yeah, it looks sick on a highlight reel. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh yeah, I'd, I'd love to fight out in Japan one day with them reels, lad, I really would. But uh, yeah, as I say, lad, I have a little last paddy segment where people send me questions in for yourself. So I've got a few of them written down here. So we are from from Patty G Film asks, what's the strangest thought you've had during weight cuts? Funny that after us talking about making featherweight as well. <laughs> the strangest thought. Well, I think it's a, a reoccurring thought that every time I'm not, this is the last one. Yeah, we've all thought that. <laughs> I think for my, my last four fights, every fight through the tournament, I said this was my last one. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, outside of that, strangest. That other one's classified. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't have to go there if you don't want to, lad. You know that. But, uh, <laughs> next one Noah MMA Lounge asks does he feel like the trilogy with Patricio was necessary before his career ends and there's a future for him in the UFC inevitable um definitely you know that that fight has to happen you know it's it's not about the money it's not about 
it's not about it's not about anything besides a fighter and another fighter and we we need to see who the best is you know the best of the best you know one and one regardless who feels what about the way any fights have gone like at the end of the day, if a battle is at one and one, we need to we need to settle it and see who's victorious. So uh, it's what the people want, man. It's what I want. We just need Pitbull to want it, you know. <laughs> he doesn't want none of that smoke. I don't think so, you know. I mean, if I got choked out and literally, if I got rocked and choked out in two minutes and then went five fives with somebody and couldn't do much. I don't think I'd be too hyped up to fight them again either. You know. No, you, you'd want to get the but finish hey. back. You'd want to get it back. You know what I mean? It's I, I I'm would. like I'm, I'm the me. same as you. Like me. I think about it the same way. I think our mindsets might be a little different than uh, these proclaimed fighters. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just hundred percent. He's a beast, bro. He's been through a lot, but. Uh, uh, I think it's it's gonna happen. It has to happen. Yeah, it is. As he said, it is inevitable down the line. So I've I've asked a similar question to this as well. As Bo Rabbit who thirty asks, was winning a title as good as you thought it would be? Um. No. <laughs> and yes. No, because like I thought in that moment of winning it, like I was just gonna break down and like. My entire world, everything is done. I'm a millionaire and I'm a world champion. I'm going to retire. And then it was like, yo, what the f***? You just want to fight, bro. That was it. Like, hype's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And that was the end of it. But, um, yeah, I, I think my my most cherishable moment, I would say, in, in my career outside of that was fighting with my dad on the same card. Um, you know, just being... Him at his age and then us being in such a physical and hands-on sport, um, it's it's phenomenal for him to be able to compete at his age and be able to be the first father-son to actually go on a card and win together. And, uh, you know, like no one's done that besides the Griffies in baseball. Baseball, the, like we're getting punched in the face. You can play baseball more, until you're about 50. It's a bit more aggressive over here. But, uh, yeah, it's, that, I, I think that was – like by far my my most cherishable moment in my career um the the tournament was like my hit list you know what i mean um my world title it's got it's got all the names of everybody that was in the tournament so the you know the mercenary that's my hit list it was it was a great accomplishment and it's something no one will ever be able to take away from me pitbull still has his title but guess what it ain't got the hit list i got the hit list because i'm the mercenary you know what i mean so, nice if he if he wants that hit list, he gonna have to he gonna have to sign that dotted line one more time. Yeah, you're not wrong. I'll man. put that that title back on the line just just to get him to fight. That's how bad I want to fight him, Patty. That's how bad I want to fight that man. I'll re put my I'll reinstate my title back on the line. I can't wait for him to see this. Hopefully, he has a little response, but I don't think he will. I, I really don't. But you wanna know what his response is gonna be? What? Mother. Him. <laughs> <Mother>. <laughs> like, that dude loves the word motherfucker bro uh, there's one more question here that I have to ask you lad it's a brilliant question this from Matthew McDermott 
asking to tell you about the time he got on a scrap at a frat party in college and flew up a flying triangle in the own own dude's backyard. I knew he was destined for the top that night. <laughs> Wait, I did that? I might have been blacked out drunk because I don't remember doing that. Because <laughs> I don't drink, Patty. <laughs> oh, lad, that's a, that, that question, hey. lad. It wasn't on me piece of paper, lad, so I just looked at me phone. I had to find it, and that was all it was. Ask him to tell you about the time he got in a scrap at a frat party in college and threw up a flying triangle in the own dude's backyard. <laughs> oh, shit, that, you know. Hey, look, I was wild, Patty. I told you, bro, I changed a lot, dog. <laughs> I used to I used to be full sin, bro. Look, I was ninety eight pounds in high school. I was ninety eight pounds, four foot eight. I was tiny, bro, but I knew I could fight, and I wanted, you know, like I just didn't take smack. Like, oh, you're you're six foot two, cool. I'm four foot eight. Well, I ain't scared, bro. Like, what's up? Like, I just oh, my, quality, my apologies that. to whoever I put the triangle the uh, triangle, you know. I don't recall this, so I'm gonna have to plead the fifth on it. Um, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> I do remember some crazy frat party fights, though. There was one time we were at the football house, dude. This is at uh, in Ohio at Notre Dame, and uh, we were at the football house, and a fight broke out over the the pool table. Somebody had next fight broke out. Everybody was fighting. We got everybody to leave. And, of course, A.J., the freshman that nobody knows, the red shirt freshman at that, he's he's the last one out of the football frat house. And I just feel somebody grab my shoulder and go, nah, where do you think you're going? Oh, shit. That's some scary shit to hear, Patty, when you got a big-ass lineman grabbing you. So all I say is I, I just scream my cousin's name, Joey! And I turn around and sock the dude in front of me. The next thing you know, it's just a full-out brawl again in the kitchen, bro. The entire frat house kitchen was a brawl. Everybody rushes back into the house. We're all brawling again. Next thing you know, the cops show up. We're like, oh, we got to get out of here. The homie gets his car, bro, and I kid you not, we probably packed like eight people in this bin. We had two people in the front passenger seat. The dude was driving. Somebody was sitting on the middle console. Another five people in the back. Like four across the back. Somebody literally laying on everybody's lap across the back. Two people in the trunk. And we're leaving a party that the police are just pulling up to. And we're all just like, please don't pull us over. Please don't pull us over. Everyone's just drunk as hell. Oh, man. College was fun for the year I was there. <laughs> it sounds, uh, it sounds <laughs> entertaining. Just a tad bit, tad bit. I had to get out of there, bro. I, I couldn't be there. It, I was I was going to get myself into some trouble. Oh, great, lad. To be honest, that's brilliant to end it on. But before we before we go, obviously, tell everyone where to find you on socials, lad. Let everyone know about your net. Well, we said about your next fight, but anything you want to give a shout out to, any sponsors, any uh, social media or anything, let the people know. Um, all glory to the man upstairs. Got to give glory to him. I want to thank you. Appreciate you for having me on the show. Um, yeah, my sponsors, shout out to Monster, Seek Headphones, Virtual Reality. I got to get you a pair of them headphones, bro. They're pretty lit. I don't know if you're into gaming, but I use them yeah. for gaming and everything else. Shout out to Newport Watch Club. They keep your boy iced out. 
You know, bust downs, everything you need to watch. Let me know. We'll take care of you. Loki, enough. Um, yeah, appreciate my fans, friends, family, and everybody that's been supporting me on this journey. Um, yeah, man. I got all my sponsors, I think. Biofuel. Who else? And yeah, everybody, you can hit me on Instagram, AJMcKee101, one and the only one. Um, what else? Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter. It's all the same, AJMcKee101. Um, and I just started a YouTube channel. It's called Riding with McKee. I'm going to have to take you on a ride one day, Patty. Definitely. I'll come for the ride with you, lad. I'd love that because, as I say, I can't drive. And yet, I, I am a mint to me game myself, lad. I've started me Twitch up and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I'd love a pair of them headphones, lad. But, lad, thank you for taking time out your busy day, lad. I know you're busy just like myself. So, thank you for coming on the podcast, lad. I really appreciate it. You going to show me a car, yeah? No, anytime, man. Thanks for having me. Peace and blessing always. And thank you to your fans, man. Yeah, man. You know that fella. Thank you. And people, that's another episode in the books. Peace out. Lots of love from the body.